And uh, the theme today is being courageous men, kind of closing out our courageous Bible study. And um, what you're going to see next is, uh, first off, you're going to hear from Brother uh, Ryan Franks. About, I guess, five or six years ago, time gets away from me, we were invited to Marion. Someone had some extra tickets and said, hey, there's something at the Marion Theater. Do you want to go? And if I remember correctly, it was a Saturday afternoon, and we didn't have anything particularly going on. We said, yeah, we'll go. And it was a drama presentation, I guess, a musical entitled The Rock and the Rabbi. And it was all guys up there, and they had two of the biggest racks of percussion instruments I've ever seen. I mean, everything that you can imagine beat on, they had that. Several guitars and mandolins and things like that. And it was the story of Jesus and Peter. Well, I left with, wow, I was just incredibly impressed. And Ryan Franks was my visitation partner, and uh, we would share the truck. We always had a saying, well, set in the truck, stays in the truck. And uh, we shared that night, and we were both just passionately moved about what you're going to hear in the video today. So I've asked Brother Ryan to come, and best he can remember, and what it means even now in his life, to come share what you're going to see on the video, what it means to him. Brother Ryan Franks, would you make him feel welcome, please? morning. Dwayne stole all my words. Uh, he asked me last week to come up here and speak, just say a few words uh, about a play, and I, I was thinking about it actually this morning, and it, it has been five or six years ago. It didn't seem like it, but time does go by way fast. I, my kids just turned three, and, and uh, it was way before we had kids, so yeah, I mean, it's it goes quick, but um, first I'd like to just say how blessed are we to be able to come to a place like Dorsville and be able to worship Jesus Christ freely and, and without any restriction. We're real blessed. Uh, it, it was a play. I, I'm not a. I'm not big into any kind of productions. I, 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 I think I got my arm twisted by my mom. I think. I think she had, got me some tickets and and I really wouldn't want to go. But my wife, I think, twists my arm a little bit too. And so anyway, we went. I think it was on a Saturday evening and. And uh, so I was going to a musical, not real thrilled about it, but I went anyway. And, and uh, my wa- it was just my wife and I, we went. And uh, it, was, it, it was awesome. It was at Marion, and uh, uh, the music was, was amazing. Um, it, I, I can remember a short, uh, uh, I mean, it's been a while, but I can remember I, had, I bought a CD. I like so much I bought a CD. I don't listen to a lot of music, but I bought a CD. And actually, when I sold my last truck, the CD I forgot was in the, Dish changer, so the CD's gone now. I don't have the CD anymore, but but uh, it was it, it the the music is very uh, I don't know it's very addictive. It's it just it's uh, it's awesome. Uh, the play's awesome. I, I truly, if it comes back to this area, uh, I really if it's within a couple hour drive, I think everybody should go see it. Uh, you will enjoy it because I'm I'm not a big production guy, and I I mean it was a real blessing for my wife and I both, but. Uh, by saying that, I'd like before we watch it, I'd like to read it. Uh, when Dwayne brought this up last week, I didn't want to take a bunch of your time. I'm not a big public speaker, but uh, I don't know. Just I want to I want to read a few verses here that I think would tie into the. Uh, well, he had me watch YouTube. This clip is from YouTube. I've never been on YouTube before. It's the first time, but <laughs> not a big computer guy either. But uh, I watched this YouTube clip yesterday morning, and I tell you what, the music was so good that my 
daughter Elle watched the clip ten different times. So <laughs> she she even liked it. So it it, it it's really good. But uh, I, I'm gonna if you guys have a Bible, you can flip. And I'm gonna go through this pretty quick. I want to flip to. Uh, I'm really wanting to do this. I'm wanting to go from chronologically backwards from backwards, but I'm not going to. I'm gonna start in Matthew uh, Matthew four. Uh, verses 18 through 22. And it says, One day Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net in the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets and at once followed him. And a little farther up the shore, he saw two, two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And they caught, and he called them, come, come to. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind, which is, for me, very hum. I guess humbling. Uh, if you really look at it, I mean, they were basically that's what they did for work. They fished, and uh, they let they left everything. Hard for me to say. I'd leave my wife, my and my daughters. By the way, I got a wonderful wife and two daughters and a son. And and I mean they did, they left it all. They got up, they left. I mean they didn't go home. They didn't call. They didn't walk. They just said, We're gone. And everything went. Very humbling to see somebody with faith like that. But by saying that 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 just shows you that even though Jesus was in the flesh, out, I mean he had something different about him that people could see. I mean, I mean some stranger walk up. I mean I, I'm in the coal business, and I was thinking about this morning. I thought, man, you know, somebody from the coal mine they used to make coal piles roll when he had to mine coal. I'd want to get him on payroll. I don't know that I would leave my family for him, but <laughs> I'd like to get him <laughs> get him in, involved somewhere. But pretty amazing that people would leave their just leave everything got, just lay it down and take off. And that, that's that's awesome. Like what Matthew 28, uh, verse 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the ends of age. I'd like to go to Acts chapter 2, verse 25 through 37. Basically, here Peter's preaching. He's doing exactly what God told him to do. He said, "Make fish of men." And uh, Peter is, is preaching here. And if you follow down through there, uh, Peter preaches a sermon. He goes back. He talks about King David. And uh, it says here in 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him, "And they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do?" And then in 41, it goes on to say, "Those who believe that Peter." said that we're baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 people in all. So about a third of Harrisburg was, was saved that day. Uh, pretty amazing. 
and uh, they were just being faithful to what God, uh, what Jesus had told them to do. And then uh, I'd like to turn real quick to Luke chapter 2. Verse 25, it says, At the time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eager, waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to, to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is a glory of your people, Israel. So there's a guy. I mean, they bring a baby up. He's been there praying all day. They bring a baby up. He said, I'm going to die. I've seen the Savior. Pretty amazing. And there's one more that I'd like for you guys to read. I had a verse. I hardly ever go through the Old Testament. I should. But for some reason, I was flipping through the Old Testament about six months ago. And uh, I, I don't even know how I came across it, but there's a, a passage here that I, I felt like maybe six months ago I was supposed to share. I told my mom about it. I told my grandma Rita about it. Uh, I don't know. And then this morning we were in Sunday school. Uh, and and I, I, for some reason, I hadn't read a passage in three or four months. I went back to it and, and read it. And uh, I want to read it this morning, maybe... This is where I'm supposed to read it, but it's uh, it's First Chronicles 16 and starts in uh, verse 23. It says, "Let the whole earth sing the Lord each day, proclaim the good news that He saves, publish His glorious deeds among the nations, tell everyone about the amazing things He does. Great is the Lord; He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord made the heavens." Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and joy fill his dwelling. All the nations of the world recognize the Lord, recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come into his presence. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him. The whole world stands firm and cannot be shaken. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. And I guess this is the verse that I was supposed to read. Till all the nations the Lord reigns. Let the sea and everything in it shout His praises. Let the fields and their crops burst out with joy. Let the trees of forest rustle with praise. For the Lord is coming to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Cry out, save us, O God of our salvation. Gather and rescue us from among the nations, so we can thank Your holy name and rejoice and praise You. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives from everlasting to everlasting. And I'm going to close with, I guess all these scriptures say, spread the word. We're not all called to, we are, we are called to spread the word. Not all of us are called to go to Africa or across the ocean somewhere. But God puts all of us where we're supposed to be every single day. And, and that's by his perfect plan. And in our daily lives, we are on a mission field and that we are supposed to live Christ through our daily lives. And that, that that's, that's the missions we're supposed to do. So by saying that, trying to be faithful. Uh, you guys are going to watch a video. Thank you.
men were overwhelmed. That one catch held more fish in one net than we normally caught in a week. I was overwhelmed too, but while the rest of the men were busy laughing and slapping each other on the back and trying to hold on to every single fish, boasting about how no one would ever believe this, I happened to turn and look at the rabbi. He, he was still sitting there in the bow of my boat, arms crossed, a big smile on his face. And I knew then that I was in the presence of a holy man. I said, Lord, get away from me. You don't know me, the, the things I've done, the, the kind of life I've led. I couldn't bear to look at him. Someone so close to God that he could do the impossible. What I had just seen with my own eyes. I put my head down and my hands over my head. And the next thing I remember was his hand on my arm. I looked up. He was still smiling. And he said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men.
still moves me today, six years later. Jesus does not want to be your fire escape. Jesus does not want to be an addition to your life. He invites you on a journey with Him to be more than you ever could be by yourself. To be a follower and a fisher of men. This is the last message in a series we've entitled The Pursuit of Happiness. For the last five weeks, this being the sixth week, we have joined the Jewish rabbi on the hillside. And we heard how he invited to come and to be a relationship with him. To acknowledge that we have sinned against Holy God and that apart from the sacrificial death on the cross, we could never be in relationship with God. And then Brother Brent so ably preached about salt and light, how that we have a new purpose in life, and that purpose is to flavor life, to bring light into darkness, both by our words and our actions. We are to bring light into the dark lives of men, women, and children. And then he called us to this incredible standard of living and spends the rest of chapter 5 and 6 and 7 telling us and touching on so many topics. Today, we want to look at how He calls men and women and children to live. Now, unapologetically today, I'm going to talk to the guys, but would you please, this is the only time I'll say this, ladies, would you please understand everything I say pertains to you? Young people, would you please understand? Students, would you understand that everything I'm about to say pertains to you? If you're here today and a follower of Jesus Christ, everything pertains to you. If you'll join me, please, on the hillside with the rabbi at Matthew chapter 7, verse number 13 through 29. This is an incredible chunk of Scripture. And if I do my job today, we'll just touch on the various points that I want to bring out to you today. And you'll do your job and go back and look at this incredible sermon over and over and over again. Today we finished our Bible study, Being Courageous Men and Women. And we want to look at today and challenge the men particularly, but ladies also, we want to challenge the men to be courageous men. And we notice this first, that courageous men have the courage to be selective. Um, Courageous men are willing to go off-road. Courageous men, you'll notice that their four-by-fours have dirt, dust, and scratches. Have you ever noticed before a man in his truck? Now, I don't have one. I've got a Grand Prix that's, you know, my my little pickup truck. But men love pickup trucks. And you tell a lot about a man and his truck. Again, men will buy big trucks, powerful trucks. They'll put huge tires on their trucks. 
They'll get the biggest engine, the Cummins diesel engine in it. They'll gear it low for work. And some men will take that truck and they will use it. They will take that truck off the paved roads and they will risk that truck and that truck will get beat up. It will get scratched. It will get dirty. And yet there are other men. Other men had the big budding tires and the chrome wheels and the big Cummins diesel and yet the truck will never see dirt. One man sees his truck as a truck. One man sees his truck as a toy. One man sees his truck taking it off road to the dirt, the narrow hard road. One man would never think about taking his truck off the road because the truck is the most important. Not what it's designed to do. The truck is. Jesus said it like this. He says in chapter 7, Enter by the narrow gate. Be willing to go off-road. Be willing to go not where it's easy, but where it is hard. I want to tell you men today that God is not calling you as a man today too easy. He's calling you too hard. Because there are lots of guys, he says, he goes on and says, for wide is the gate, paved is the way, the interstate is easy, paved is the way, wide is the gate, broad is the way, the way that is easy, you won't get your truck dirty, it won't challenge you to to put what you love so much on the line. But you need to understand something. That that way leads to destruction. Jesus would say, if you're willing today to follow me, if you're willing to sell out to me, if you're willing to do what the, what the crowds won't do, then I will make you an instrument in my hand where you can impact the lives of people around you. But you've got to understand the interstate, the paved way, is enticing. You never have to worry about your truck getting damaged. It's a populated way. You'll find on the interstate lines of pickup trucks, all shiny, all clean, all chrome. But Jesus would tell you that leads to destruction. We are faced with men as a challenge to either choose the narrow way or the broad way. And Jesus wants to plainly tell us that the narrow way, He says it in the last verse, He says, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it. He says, if you choose to follow Me, if you choose to be, one, a believer in Me, and two, if you choose to live after My teachings, I won't tell you up front, He would tell you. It's hard. It could get lonely. Because everybody else's truck is going to be on the interstate and you're going to be navigating a dangerous, pothole, mud-filled road. But I want to tell you something you tell you. That is the road that leads to life. It is that road that will lead to the purpose that you desire. The other way is easy, but it leads to destruction. It will cause people their lives. It will cause, it will cause people their families. It will cause people their marriages. 
because it leads to destruction. But follow me. Choose the narrow road. Choose the hard road because it leads to life. Hey guys, want to get your truck dirty today? Or is the truck more important than what God's called you to do? Are you getting the analogy? The truck represents popularity, acceptance, easiness. Are you willing to put all that on the line and choose the narrow way that God is calling you? Follow me. Be a man of God. Peter, Ryan was right. Peter was willing to leave it all behind. And by the way, just in case you misunderstood what Ryan said, Peter didn't leave his, he didn't abandon his family. He said, Jesus, I'm going to put you first in my life. And in so doing, I will take excellent care of my family. Because when you follow Jesus, you become the best dad, the best husband, the best son you could ever, ever When he chose to follow, he fulfilled his destiny as a man. Courage to be selective. Have you chosen Jesus today? Your toy might be sitting on the parking lot. Have you chosen to follow Jesus? And if the answer is yes, are you following him every day? Does the roadmap of life Guide where you point your truck. And I'll be honest with you, you can tell that by the difficulty of the road. Because I've lived long enough to know that if things are going smooth, 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 you never ruffle anybody's feathers. If you go down to the boys and all, you're doing all the things, unless your boys are all followers of Jesus, if you're out there in the world and your path is going the same way they are, you're on the interstate. Because the road is narrow and the road can be lonely, but it leads to life. Courage to be selective. Courage to be protective. Look at the next verse, verse 15. Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you. Now listen. In sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or, or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit and every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Men of courage. Men of courage protect themselves and their families from ravenous wolves. The context that Jesus is teaching in is all the the scribes and the Pharisees and the false teaching that they represented. He realized that the false teachers could influence them, these men, on how they live. Beware of them. And men, God is challenging us to protect ourselves and protect our families from the ravenous wolves of this world. 
Have you figured out yet to be a man of courage, to be a God follower, you must swim upstream? When other people are saying, do this, that you probably have to say no? Have you found out when the world is saying this is right, it just might be wrong? Do you realize that you're going to have to make tough decisions about your marriage, tough decisions about your wife, tough decisions as you toward your wife, tough decisions about your children and how the dad that you're going to be impacts them? The wolves are out there. But men of courage recognize a wolf. They see the obvious and the unobvious. And they recognize a wolf when they see one. I'm telling you guys, there's a lot of stuff in this world that in its context, there's nothing wrong. But have you ever heard the old saying, give an inch, you'll take a mile? So many of these things in life that are innocent of their own, the world demands not partial obedience, but all of them, all allegiance. And whenever you give your allegiance to something else besides God, you're in deep weeds. And whenever you teach your children to give their allegiance to something besides God, they're in deep weeds. Here's what Peter said. The guy who followed Jesus. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhoods in the, your brotherhood in the world. In other words, men of God, men of courage are all experiencing this together. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Men of courage aren't chased by the lions. Men of courage chase the lion. Men in courage, men of courage are like Benaniah in the Old Testament, who chased a lion on a snowy pit and was victorious. See, ultimately, what matters is whose head is on the on the wall in the end. You see, when you're on a lion hunt. If you don't commit yourself totally to it, you may find yourself on the lion's wall. Have you ever been in guys' home before? Deer stare at you. Little black eyeballs. The deer, many of them with massive racks. You know how you have a massive rack? You ever have a hormone spike? Or you're wise. But... Every time you see that massive rack, it means that really wise buck got stupid. Probably over a woman. And many a wise man of God has been lured away over a woman. Whose head is going to be on the wall when it's all said and done? Will you have the lion's head on the wall or will the lion have yours?
Jesus said, beware. Be careful. It looks innocent. It looks like a lamb. It looks like a sheep. But underneath that is a ravenish wolf. See it for what it is. Well, how do you do that, Dwayne? You'll know them by the fruits. I don't need to read the verses again. Men, this is a guide map for your truck. And it is a guidebook for living. If you want to be successful in this world in the eyes of God, this is your guide. Can I have an amen? This is our guide. Get in the book. Know the book. Apply the book. It will save marriages. It will save children. It will save careers. It will save lives. Be courageous enough to be Men of courage also are courage enough, have courage enough to be definitive, to, to have a final answer. Men of courage never throw the game. Men of courage show priority and loyalty to their team their coach, and their teammates. Lesser men buy a jersey and call themselves on the team. A Cubs fan said something. I asked him, I said, what do you think about the Cardinals? This is before the World Series. Still didn't have much to say about the Cardinals, by the way. What do you think about the Cardinals? He said, you know I think it's amazing? How many Cardinal fans there are in October? What he was saying was this, is that when the Cardinals got on the roll starting in mid-August, and they started winning, as each game progressed and was won and put in the bag, and then when they won the wild card, and then the National League, and eventually got to the World Series, the fan base grew and grew and grew. And you want to know why? Because they were winning. Where were all those fans in July? See, Jesus says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me who practice lawlessness. Jesus saying to be a man of courage, to be a follower of Jesus, you've got to own more than the jersey. firm relationship. And you are a follower of Jesus Christ in July when it was hot and they're losing. And you're a follower of Jesus. Game seven. Two outs. Two strikes. Your loyalty to the team does not change with circumstances. 
The bottom line is this. It is your priorities and your actions that determine whose team you're on. It is not the jersey. Whose team are you on? We had Judgment House this week. And the theme in the in the script this year, there was a lost church member in there. And night after night, I faced people and talked about being passionately loved with Jesus Christ and being authentic in your faith. That is, you know Jesus Christ as Savior. And night after night, they crossed their arms and night after night, they sat on their hands. Not all, but so many. And yet, I challenged, I said, look at your life. Because you had a prayer here, and here you are 10, 12 years later. And nothing's changed. And I said, James, the half-brother of Jesus, said this, Faith without works is dead. Team membership, without showing up to practice, does not show that you're a member of the team. It means you're on the jersey. And men of courage know, they know Jesus Christ. And it is backed up by a life that is so adequately lived out before their children and before their wives and their community and their co-workers. They know you know Jesus because of your life. You don't have to wear a button. Your, your speech declares it. Your attitude declares it. Your choices declare it. And do you know Jesus? And do others know? You know, not, not because your car's parked in a parking lot on Sunday morning, but because it's not parked in front of the bar on Friday nights. Do the people, employees of Sam, Family Video, know your Christ follower? Not because of the movies you do check out, but because of the movies you don't. Does your life say to your children and to your wife and to this world, I follow Jesus? I didn't ask Jonathan's permission to share this. Ken Erickson is like old earth. He's been around a long time. He's been a Cubs fan for a long time. And he is Cubs through and through. Jonathan's not near that old. But if if possible, it seems he's even more passionate about the Cubs than Ken Erickson is, if that's possible. And here's, here's the depth of Jonathan's commitment to the Cubs. He wears the jersey. He talks about the Cubs. He watches the Cubs. He's loyal to the Cubs. He's Cubs through and through. And I'm not saying what I'm fixing to say is right or wrong. 
He hates the Cardinals. He hates them. I threatened to buy Ethan a jersey, a Cardinal jersey when he was born. He said, that's cool. and make a great diaper. Where was your point? My point is, he loves what he's loyal to and hates what he's not. How different would our world be if Jesus' followers would be madly in love with Jesus and finally have the courage to hate the things that God hates? How different would our world be? How different would our families be? Our children, our children would not grow up with conflicted values. They don't know what's right or wrong because they look at your life and you're doing the things that are wrong and then teach them not to. I want to be just like you because He wants to be just like me. Man, they watch you with eagle eyes. These kids you brought into the world. These grandchildren. These friends. Authenticity. Don't just, don't just wear the jersey. Love what you love and hate what God hates. Passionate. Be a passionate friend. A passionate fan of Jesus Christ. And that leads us down to the last point. Courage to be decisive. Men of courage live and work in the construction zone. Get the image of a construction worker who knows construction. And they know how to build. And they know where to build. Here's how Jesus said it. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Now get that. Don't miss that connection. Hears these sayings of mine. Hears it and does it. I will liken to him, like to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Men of courage know that a great foundation leads to a great legacy. A great foundation leads to a great legacy. And of course the foundation that Jesus is talking about is himself and living out his teaching. And that foundation is a rock. Now what's easier? I'm not a construction guy. Not what is best. What is easier? Taking time to to get down to bedrock, Brent, digging down, digging, beating your head against the dirt, slaving to get to rock, or throwing up a building on some sand. It is hard work to build on the foundation. Jesus said it, difficult is the way if we choose it. Protection is difficult. Being a fan in the heat of July is difficult. God didn't call us easy. Have you figured it out? But when we know Jesus, hear His teachings, and do them, we build on this rock. Then the, the winds come 
and the floods come. But guess what? The house didn't fall, did it? It stood firm. It stood firm. Great foundations lead to great legacies. Craig Eagle was talking about his dad and him and how that his uncle died and Greg had never been been to a funeral home and how that he didn't want to go to his uncle's funeral because he'd never been to a, you know been never been to a funeral home. His dad said, "Son, one day you'll stand at my casket." Oh no, no, never. One week later, the legacy was finished. And it was a great legacy. What are your kids going to say at your casket? What is your wife going to say at your casket? Hey, granddad, what are your grandchildren going to say at your casket? Now, if I'm still around, I'll give you a great funeral. But you know who carries? Well, there's actually two more things that carry a whole lot more weight than the preacher, at least two. First is God. Can I have an amen? It matters what he says about you. No, not what I say. And to the words of your family and those who know you the best. What will they say at your casket? One thing I know for sure. If you want to hear, then you've got to do. I was sharing with a sister this morning who had lost her husband. I watched... Right here, in the, right here in the foyer, a tear came down her cheek as she spoke how much she missed her husband. And she's well into the grieving process. This wasn't last week. Now go on. Father, how much she loved How much she loved him. Man, if you want your wives to weep six, seven months after your funeral, now's the time to lay the foundation. Now's the time to lay the foundation. Now, Jesus said it. He said, now, now men of courage, or men, lesser men, I'm sorry, lesser men, who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Guys who come and say, I love Jesus, yes I do. I love Jesus, how about you? And who darken the doors of the church and never do or apply the Word of God. They're foolish. Because it's not church that builds the foundation. It's knowing Jesus and doing Jesus. It's these guys who, who, who claim this Jesus thing but never do the Word of God. they got their own gig. They follow their own map. They're on the interstate cruising in their pickup truck. 
that the storm's coming. And it's going to be a great class. You know he didn't, by the way, you know what he didn't? He didn't say he might be. There was. Because some of you, you know, we guys, we beat the odds, don't we? We figure we can smoke two packs of cigarettes a day, you know, drink hard on Friday night, go to church, everything's going to turn out okay. It'll happen to someone else, Dwayne. You think we can, we can flirt with the women, have a few relationships on the side, everything's going to turn out okay? Uh-uh. We think that we can devote ourselves to our careers solely and completely at the expense of our families, and everything's going to turn out okay? Uh-uh. uh-uh. And by the way, I didn't say that. If you want to fight with him, go ahead, but I need to warn you, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. Men of courage make great decisions and do the Word of God. And that leads us to our little epilogue thing at the end. And it was. When Jesus had ended these things, and I'm sure there are people going, it is about time. I'm sure the scribes and Pharisees were over in the corner because <sighs> he's rocking their world. And there's some guys that are going, oh, oh. time for afternoon nap. It's probably some of you ever going, they were good bad this, it's time for lunch. But when the sermon ended, the overall consensus on the hillside was this that the people were astonished at his teachings. Astonished. Amazed. Why? For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And you've got to get this. The scribes and the Pharisees talked a good talk. They just didn't have any walk to go with it. They would teach the Word of God and then not follow that. Jesus, you know, Jesus even said one time, talking about, you know, about the scribes and Pharisees and their giving, said, Man, you tied down to the smallest penny and let you've omitted the weightier matters of the law, like mercy and justice. So they were over here. They were there. They didn't want anything to do with it. Jesus. They taught and lives weren't changed. They taught and people felt guilty, but there was no relief from the guilt. And, and somehow always they were bigger and the people were smaller. And then comes this Jewish rabbi who teaches. And people were changed. Instead of feeling bondage, people were set free. Men, men like Peter and James and John and Andrew were called the bigger things. When the Jewish rabbi looked and said, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And the reason why they were willing to leave it all behind because when they looked at Jesus, they saw authenticity. They saw the real 
deal. Later on, John chapter 6, when things weren't going so well with Jesus, there was a lot of animosity, and he was teaching some really hard things, kind of like the Sermon on the Mount, but different. And a bunch of people said, can't follow you anymore. And Jesus looked at, at the guys. John chapter 6. So, so are you going to leave me too? Then was Peter who said, where would we go, Lord? You alone have the words of life. So you might push back today. You might say, I'm not getting my truck dirty. Payment's a lot easier than bumpy, pothole-filled roads. Too difficult to be protective. And people think I'm narrow-minded. People think I'm a religious fanatic. Not letting my kids do whatever other kids do. And come on. I've got my jersey. I love the Cardinals. Yes, I do. And look at the house I built. Great. It's huge. Three stories. Great view of the river. Great view. See, lesser men, when they build their houses, trade views for victims. Because when you have a great view of the river and you're built on sand and the flood comes, there's going to be some victims. There's going to be some victims. They were astonished because they saw in Jesus the real deal. Follow me, he says. Now I'll make you fisher again. How about it, guys? How about you, Dwayne? There's some areas that I'm doing better in. There's some areas I'm not. I'll be real candid with you. Me and God have some pretty intense discussions about my life pretty regularly. So I'm wrestling. I got some success. I can tell you some success stories. I can look back 20 years ago and I can tell you I'm not the guy I was 20 years ago. But mastered it. Now, I will probably master it when my pickup truck goes to the junkyard and the owner goes to heaven. We'll get perfect in heaven. But right now, he's calling us to follow him. Remember, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do. God, I will do my part. And God, I'll trust you for whatever I can't do. I'll trust you to empower me to strengthen me, to be the dad I need to be. I'll trust you for that. Follow me. Would you bow your heads right there where you are? We're going to a really different invitation time today. First off, at the Welcome Center today is going to be a copy of the resolution from the movie Courageous. My original intention was to have a signing ceremony here in the service. After reading the resolution, I realized that would be unfair. I mean, it's strong. It's hard. So I want to encourage you. I gave them out in Sunday school, but if you did not get a copy, I have a very nice printable copy of the, of the Courageous Resolution. They're at the Welcome Center this morning. Just swing by. If your husband's not here, swing by and get one for him. I've got a, probably 75 or 100 copies there. Take one home. And when the time is right, and if the time is right, and you want to make this resolution... 
with you and your family. I would plan some kind of a very special time with them and do that. Then the second thing I was going to do was I was going to issue something bold, maybe to a Matt Oshel and say, I'm going to call you out today. Have all the men of courage. If you're willing to be a man of courage to stand up. I realize that wasn't fair either. That wasn't fair either. Me putting you on the spot. Putting a guilt trip on you. I don't want to do that. So here's what I've settled on. Every man here is on a journey. Some of us are further down the road than others, and some are just beginning. Some may even need a relationship with Jesus. But I know this, there's power in prayer. So what I want to ask today is that all the men in our congregation, in just a moment, not yet, I'm going to ask you to stand. That's all. You're not, you're not making a lifelong commitment to the resolution. You're not saying, I'm here to be super dad, super husband. I'm just here, and I need prayer. And I know one thing. Everyone needs prayer. And maybe if there's a, a dad, a grandfather and a dad, maybe there's an adult son, this is going to be a little bit crazy, but I'm encouraging y'all today, if you can, to get together as families in a group. And I would like for the rest of the family to pray for the men of that family. And some, there may be only one person here and you don't have a family if, you, if our congregation sees a man standing by themselves, then perhaps you'd go, and you don't have family here, go in and surround that person. This is not a time for rock chucking. It's a time for praying for men to be men. Now, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word for the last six weeks that we've spent on the hillside with you, I thank you, God, for that. Father, as we end this service with a season of prayer, I want to pray in Jesus' name for these men. Father, we struggle. We struggle with doing the right thing. We want to be the best husband, the best Father, and sometimes we just flat blow it, and sometimes we just make bad choices. And God, sometimes we get it right. So as families surround men, I'd like to pray, Jesus, for authentic prayer to take place. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.